The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Nation State of Play. Welcome to the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode, we explore the political stories that are driving public policy in California. We explore these stories with political insiders, business leaders, journalists, and policymakers themselves to get below the surface of the headlines and show you the true forces shaping our nation state. We have a great guest, Jesse Ryan, with the Campaign for College Opportunity. You know, it is college admissions season across the country, so this is a topic on the mind of a lot of people throughout the country. And Jesse really works at the forefront of college access issues, both at the federal and state issues. She's been a real leader on this, and she's got some really interesting insights into what's going on in California, but also what's going on nationally. So excited to have her on the show. Hope you enjoy this timely conversation. Jesse Ryan with the Campaign for College Opportunity coming up next. Do you have a business, nonprofit, or campaign that needs to break through the communications clutter? For more than 10 years, IVC Media has developed a suite of digital tools, data sets, and creative techniques to help corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations deliver authentic, innovative, and effective communications. Our teams in San Diego and Tijuana can help you overcome the most challenging communications project in any language or location. Visit us today at ivc.media. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate the chance to have you. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm actually looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Me too. I, you know, there's so much going on with higher education these days. It's a, it's a noisy place. So really excited to have you guys back on because you're really the statewide leaders on this. And I know you're getting into the federal issues too, which I want to talk to you about. But for our listeners who are not familiar with your organization, can you tell us a little bit about your group and what you focus on? I'm happy to do that. So the Campaign for College Opportunity is a state and now national nonprofit. And we are focused on dramatically improving the rates by which our students are getting into and succeeding in public colleges and universities. We also have a really intentional focus on closing racial equity gaps, ensuring that our Black, Latinx, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students are reaching their college goals and contributing to our future workforce. Great. So you yourself are a product of community college. Would you mind telling us just a little bit about your journey? Because I think it's really inspiring and helpful as we lay out these issues. So I am a, a proud product of California community colleges and also the California State University system. And Brian, I actually am not that different from so many students in California in that I was the first in my family to go to college, grew up as the daughter of a struggling single mother and moved around a lot, actually went to eight different schools between kindergarten and high school. 
Um, but I was very fortunate to have a mother who, despite the fact that we were low income, told me that my pathway out of poverty would be through achieving a college education. So I often share that while other kids were having their parents read to them their nightly fairy tales, my mom would share Cinderella. And at the end of the Cinderella story, she would say, instead of they lived happily ever after, she would say, and then Cinderella went to college and graduate school. So the message I got pretty much from birth was that I was going to go to college and that that was going to be my ticket to having an opportunity in life. I love it. Great, great story. So, um, so we've got a lot of stuff going on in California and the federal side too. And I think one of the interesting issues that we had a chance to chat about before the show was how few people are actually making it to four-year degrees in California when they're starting in community college. I wonder if you could sort of lay out a little bit of those numbers for us. And then I'd like to talk to you about the history of where we've been in California and where we hopefully can go all over the country on this. So I think that this is a really troubling issue that unfortunately not enough people are aware of and tracking closely. So, you know, community colleges are the gateway to opportunity for 80% of our students who are seeking access to college, um, just like they were for me. Unfortunately, the number of students who are actually making it through, who are transferring from community colleges to a four-year university within two years is less than 3%. And if you bump that up to four or even six-year cohort rate, you're only seeing a six-year transfer rate of less than 30% of students. And so for so many students who look to community colleges as an affordable way for them to gain access to the classes they need that will help them hopefully cross that stage with a degree in hand, they are taking much longer than they had anticipated to transfer if they are transferring at all. And there are a variety of reasons, but for most students and families, it is a reality check because two-year transfer is the goal, and yet that is not the reality for the majority of students. What ballpark is the overall completion rate of a four-year degree for people starting community college? Yeah, so the, the reality is that for students who started a community college, when I shared that about 3% will successfully transfer and less than 30% will actually, within two years, less than 30% within six years, the reality is that if a community college student makes it to a four-year university, they actually have a high likelihood of completing that degree. If they make it to the University of California system, we see really strong graduation rates within two or three years of transfer. And for the CSU, we also see really strong graduation rates, completion rates of 60% or more um, within two or three years of transfer. Unfortunately, it's really hard to measure the completion rate for community college students who started a community college. Um, because the reality is that for so many students, they will stop out before they're even counted. That's because they will be told that the classes that they need um, will actually not count towards uh, credit for getting a degree. So, so many of our students start at a community college, they take an assessment test, and because of that assessment test, they're put into remedial courses. And for students who are put into remedial courses for math or English, that is often the graveyard of buried hopes. For our students who find themselves in those classes, the likelihood of them climbing out is very small. 
And then those students, unless they actually hit a threshold of achieving a certain number of units and taking transfer level math or English, aren't actually being counted. And so really, really huge issue for students and difficult to say for all students who started a community college with hopes of completing a degree, what that total rate is. So what is the answer to this? Let's start with California. You've worked on several different ways of tackling this problem. And I know Senator Padilla was involved in that when he was in the legislature. But what do you, what do you think the main policy levers are here to, to change these outcomes? That's a great question. So, you know, we know that students and families do really well when they have clear information that results in a strong and simplified path to transfer with an associate's degree to show for their work. If you look across the country at states that have high performing transfer, those states have a few key attributes in place. Those states are offering students a common course numbering system so that they know that if they take math 100 at one college and then they end up continuing their community college journey at another college, that math 100 is the same and will count. They have a lower division general education system that is common so that that lower division general education can count towards either admission to the CSU or UC, admission to a four-year university of choice. And they have a true 60 plus 60 or two-year plus two-year pathway to a baccalaureate. That means that students have units that they can take that will get them to an associate's degree, guarantee their admission at a four-year university, and then ensure that within an additional 60 units, they'll get that baccalaureate degree. In California, with the help of Senator Alex Padilla, we have been very successful in creating an associate degree for transfer. And we've actually seen that for community college students across the state, we've had nearly 400,000 associate degrees for transfers awarded. And that has resulted in students not just getting into the California State University system, but getting in and being told all of your classes counted. You are a junior. And you're going to have a much clearer and more concise path to a baccalaureate degree. We want to make sure that all students can take advantage of that same singular pathway. How has that impacted the overall numbers in California? Or is there are there more things that you're pushing for now to help improve these outcomes? So, you know, one of the things that we've seen is that while the associate degree for transfer has really helped in particular, our Latinx students increase their community college transfer, we still have some ground to make up because there has been some uneven implementation and access to associate degrees across the state of California. We actually just had a big champions event that we did with more than 30 community college and CSU institutions to really recognize their innovation and the efforts that they've undertaken to create more equitable transfer paths to ensure that the associate degree for transfer is the primary path for students in their region. We want to make sure that no matter where a student goes to school, they will have an equal opportunity to access the ADT and that the ADT will be offered in the maximum number of degree pathways aligned with workforce demand. And so one of the things that we've been working on with the help of Assemblymember Berman, who has been an incredible champion in this work, 
is the creation of a common course numbering system in California to get to that first point that I was sharing of strong, high-performing transfer in other states, but also the creation of an associate degree for transfer statewide intersegmental work group, which I'm serving on as the governor's appointee. And as part of that, we will actually be developing ADTs in STEM professions, which we know are critical to meeting future workforce demand. We'll also be charged with creating a pathway to the ADT that makes the ADT a default placement for community college students across the state, no matter which of the 117 community colleges they go to if a pathway exists. And we think that's going to be huge so that students aren't relying upon luck or understanding their options. There is a placement onto this pathway where it's available statewide. Is that something that is going to take more legislation from Sacramento or is this in the approach process or yeah, can I kind of give us a sense of what needs to happen? Yeah, so we actually had a couple big pieces of legislation, first under Senator Padilla's watch more than 10 years ago, and more recently under Assemblymember Berman's leadership um, through AB 928 and 1111. We are in the early stages of implementing those policies right now, Assemblymember Berman's legislation to create a common course numbering system and to create that strong ADT across the state with default placement and STEM pathways. We really need folks to continue to be involved to watchdog implementation so that this is not held up. One of the things that we found is that, you know, passing good legislation is only a piece of the hard work, that the real victory comes when you dig in and you implement the legislation with fidelity. And we're going to see through the intersegmental work group over the course of the next couple of years, some really important work being done to do just that, to implement with fidelity, to create maximum options for STEM students and based on future workforce demand, and to ensure that the ADT does become the primary pathway for community college students across the state which to your earlier question, Brian, will get us to a place where we are, we believe, significantly improving transfer rates, shortening time to transfer, and improving completion rates statewide. Really helpful background. So let me ask you about the federal side, because uh, obviously this involves presumably thousands of community colleges across the country. And, uh, and what, and I know you're in DC now starting to work on these issues to implement them at a national level. What do we need to be doing from a federal perspective in this space? Well, I think it's important that people understand that the challenges that we're experiencing in California are not unique, that we're actually seeing really staggering community college enrollment decline across the country. And that is really um, troubling for many reasons especially for racial equity advocates, because we know that community colleges are going to provide opportunity for so many students, low-income students of color across the country. So, you know, one of the things that we're looking at right now, working with Senator Padilla and Congressional Representative Joaquin Castro, is the Transfer Transparency Act, which would actually require that campuses across the country post their articulation agreements so that community college students and families understand what classes will count for transfer admissions to which universities at the four-year level to simplify and streamline their pathway. 
We're also looking at a variety of other opportunities we have to ensure that we are doing what we know works for community college students. And that's, you know, as I shared earlier, making sure that they are put on a clear pathway at the beginning of their journey so that they are not trying to figure it out a couple of years and not necessarily knowing that their classes count. There was a really good report that came out from the Government Accountability Office that provided some recommendations. And in the last Higher Ed Reauthorization Act, which was you know, more than 15 years ago, there was language related to requiring campuses to institute transfer practices that actually meet the needs of students and families across the country. We're in a place right now where we're pursuing legislation, but we're also looking at the opportunity to hold our institutions more accountable to the practices that we know work. And I shared some of those practices earlier. We're excited that There is legislation that has in the past um, been instituted that might not have been implemented, but that we can, as advocates, rally around as a way to ensure that campuses are doing what they should be to meet the needs of students. Yeah, so let's dwell on that a little bit more because, uh, you know, we're, we're in an age of political gridlock, you know, your, your experience with 15 years since, since the last reauthorization bill, unfortunately, is all too common in Washington. But this is something that has already passed. Um, what do you attribute the lack of implementation to from your perspective? Is this just general Washington inertia or are there any political forces at, at play here that we should be flagging? Well, unfortunately, I think that transfer has been largely a sleeper issue that not a lot of people have been watchdog. Not a lot of individuals have stayed on over the course of the years. Unlike things like student debt, which get a lot of attention and seem to be sexier issues, community college transfer just kind of flies under the radar. And that means that even when good policy and practice is put in place, if you don't actually have advocates, if you don't have student organizations that are holding institutions and policymakers accountable, then you don't necessarily see the progress that's necessary to really um, celebrate change and and improve student outcome. Um, And that's been the case of community college transfer. I mean, arguably, when community colleges are the lifeline for so many students across the country, transfer is probably one of the most important functions in public education. And we could and should be doing so much more to ensure it works well works for students, is seamless, is timely, is affordable. Um, But there have not been many people at the national level seeing this work through. So we're excited at the Campaign for College Opportunity to be working with partners through the Higher Education Equity Network and other leaders that see this as a critical issue that is at its time, which is, you know, when we see enrollment decline at the rates we're seeing at community colleges, when we're trying to figure out strategies for encouraging students to re-enroll and give them confidence that they can complete their degrees in a timely fashion, this is a really good way to instill that confidence and invest our time and energy. So I think that we're going to see a renewed focus on improving community college transfer. And I also think that with that renewed focus, the advocacy community and our institutional allies have a huge opportunity to make some real change. 
So where does implementation of this live at the federal level? Is this solely within the Department of Education or is there any, any other agencies we should have on our radar in this discussion? That's another good question. So the Department of Education, um, as you know, provides guidance to institutions. Um, we also have the ability to influence the accreditation commissions around accrediting institutions and ensuring that they are doing everything they can to improve a seamless transfer process for our students. So really, if we're looking at where our federal level levers are, our greatest levers are working with the Department of Education. So they're giving strong, actionable guidance to the field and working with our accreditation commission so that they are making this a priority in accreditation, which is about as good as it gets in terms of institutional accountability. Tell us a little bit more about the accreditation commissions. I'm not super familiar with that. Uh, who are they? Who, who appoints them? Who do they Yeah. So the community colleges, at colleges in general, go through a process of validation called accreditation. And that accreditation um, really uh, requires a community college to demonstrate their core competencies, that they are, in fact, operating in a way that um, ensures that they have strong learning outcomes for students, for the state, for our workforce, for our country. Um, and the Accreditation Commission is an interesting group of individuals that actually go to colleges and through a rubric evaluate whether or not those colleges are meeting a set of goals. Um, so it is a good opportunity to ensure that the institutions that are meeting our students, opening their doors, providing them with a seat, are actually doing everything that they can and should be to complete and to complete um, in, in a way that, uh, you know, is going to result in a meaningful credential or degree. Interesting. So, um, so back to the Department of Education's role in this, when you bring up this topic, which seems like just such good common sense, it seems like the kind of thing nobody could argue with. Do, do you hear any resistance or is it just a matter of bureaucratic inertia that hasn't been on people's radars, hasn't been made a priority? So the good news is, I think that, you know, individuals like Undersecretary Cabal care about this issue. I think the challenge has been that in the face of big issues like student debt relief, ensuring that this is prioritized with equal intensity and focus, I think that you know, the reality is that the Department of Education is doing a lot right now, not just on higher ed, but also K-12 and, and the tremendous undertaking of trying to ensure that we're meeting the needs of students and educators across the country in a pandemic and, and endemic world. Um, and so, you know, this issue of improving higher ed and, and transfer is probably just lower priority amidst these other urgent items that the Department of Education is taking on. But I do think that they are interested and see value in innovating around this issue of transfer pathways. And so I see a real opportunity for us to work more closely with the Department of Ed moving forward. Um, it's just a matter of ensuring that with limited capacity, this uh, cuts through the clutter, if you will. Got it, got it. So, so let me go back to the Transfer Transparency Act, which you brought up. How does would that overlay with what is already on the books, but but not implemented? What what is what's additional about that bill? 
Yeah. So, you know, as you know, uh, right now at the state level, um, we have some states that are high performing in transfer and we have others that are not. But the problem is that with that uh, variability from state to state in transfer practices, um, it really is so often leadership contingent, right? If you have a strong governor, if you have strong policymakers, or if you have strong institutional leaders, you will put in place the practices of high-performing transfer institutions. And if you don't, if you don't see value in prioritizing this work, um, unfortunately, you know, transfer continues to be challenging for far too many students in your state. What the Transfer Transparency Act does is it continues to empower states to innovate and to improve transfer practices, but it creates consistency no matter which state you're in across the country and ensuring that there is uniform notification, uniform information and awareness for students and families around articulation agreements, which are the agreements between campuses, community college campuses and four-year campuses or one campus and another on the standards that will be met in order to be admitted to those campuses for a four-year degree. Got it. Um, so that that's really helpful. Glad to hear that that's in the works. And it sounds like you had the opportunity to make a lot of progress on the federal side. Only have a few minutes left, but let me bring you back to California in terms of these enrollment declines. We haven't really had a chance to get into what's driving those enrollment declines. So, so let me ask you that at a high level. What do, you, what do you see as the big factors here that are hurting enrollment at the moment? So this is the, the billion dollar question, if you will. Everybody is trying to figure out you know, what's behind the enrollment declines because they're not just happening in higher ed. We're also seeing some really challenging you know, missing students at the K-12 level as the pandemic continues on. What we have attributed much of the enrollment decline to is the fact that there is a very real debate happening right now around the value of college. And that value of college debate is not whether or not college itself has value. It really is whether or not college is affordable, whether or not the prospect of paying for an education for the return that you will get makes sense um, in terms of the trade-offs that students and families will make, especially in an economy that is, you know, for, for employees, a really good marketplace to find a job and, and for students who have some college but no degree, much more attractive in terms of entering the workplace and delaying the completion of a certificate or a degree. I think the other big piece is you've heard a lot, a lot around college affordability um, in terms of student debt relief. You've also heard a lot about college affordability um, as it relates to free community college. And the reality is that in California, we have free community college. We have two years of free community college, but that doesn't necessarily make community college affordable because the total cost of attending college is what really keeps students and families up at night. And that total cost of attending college is the cost of books, housing, transportation, food, all of those expenses that make up the ability to keep a roof over their head, food on the table, and you know go about life. And so just providing students with free community college is not enough. In California, actually, last year, we were really proud to sponsor legislation 
with a group of incredible student advocates across the state to create a Cal Grant equity framework. And that is the financial aid system that doesn't just uh, pay for fees, but actually covers the total cost of attendance for low-income students across the state. And it would expand our Cal Grant for community college students, would also expand for a cohort of students at the CSU financial aid opportunities as well at the C- at the UC system. Unfortunately, while Governor Newsom awarded in the budget the equity framework, um, he did not appropriate the funding to see the Cal Grant equity framework into fruition. So what does that mean? That means that Governor Newsom said, I see that this is an issue that is really nagging at students and parents' ability, families' abilities to attend college. I am going to make this a priority, but because I don't know what tomorrow's budget will look like or next year, because we might have a recession six months or 18 months out, I'm going to adopt the principle of the Cal Grant Equity Framework, but I'm not actually going to put those checks in the hands of students until we can figure out as a state where that funding is going to come from. And that is so critical because when we're trying to figure out how do we get students to re-enroll, how do we remove barriers to accessing higher ed? Affordability is number one, front and center. And true affordability only comes when we're covering the total cost of college. And we think that this is one of the best ways that we can tackle that issue. Okay, so that's a really helpful context. And and let me ask you the same question I asked you on the federal side. It sounds like this lives within Governor Newsom's office or with are there other agencies involved with this from a California perspective, or is there any legislative involvement here? Who needs right. to make sure they hear this message? So the California Student Aid Commission um, is the one that oversees financial aid in California. They've been a huge partner and lead advocate in the Cal Grant Equity Framework. Um, Our policymakers, both the Assembly and Senate, have also been really strong partners. Really, you know, we need all of the players to get together, the governor, the California Student Aid Commission, our policymakers, and the Department of Finance to figure out a way to fund this work and to fund it not just next year and the year after, but to make a ongoing commitment to that financial aid. There is no better return on investment than removing the barrier of college affordability for our students. Okay. Well, Jesse, we're going to have to cut it there. This this is such an important topic and we covered a lot of ground. So thanks for letting me speed talk you through a lot of topics there. But if people want to find out more about your organization, get involved, where can they go to find out more? They can uh, come to our website, which is www.collegecampaign.org. Um, We have a variety of research on the website. We also have our priority bills and um, the practices and policies that we're working on right now. We'd love to have you be part of our coalition work. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Great to have you. Jesse, thanks for everything you're doing. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at NeptuneOps.com or on Twitter at at NationStateOfP1. Again, that's at NationStateOfP and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. This is the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. Olas Media.